Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Maisner, sober nurse, health coach, and mom, alcohol-free badass, all of the above. I am super excited to do this solo podcast today because it is going to be a question and answer one. So I had asked um, my Instagram and Facebook account to send me some of their top questions about drinking or my experience or anything. So I'm going to go through and answer the questions I was sent. And then I'd like to do more of these because I really, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for whoever is listening and I want it to be helpful for you. So if you have questions, please email me. Uh, It's just me that checks the email. It's deb at alcoholtippingpoint.com. And you can send me any questions you have for the podcast and we'll do some future Q&As. All right, so let's get started. And thank you for uh, submitting a question. I'm not going to put names with the questions either, uh, just so you know. All right, so here is our first question. It's my belief that alcohol will become socially unacceptable like smoking tobacco. I think governments will tax the shit out of it due to its cost to the health system. Do you agree? And if so, how long do you think it will take? That sounds like a two-parter. So one is... Will alcohol become socially unacceptable like smoking tobacco? Um, and then the other part is about governments and taxation. So let's let me tackle the socially unacceptable. I think um, we're getting there. It's almost like it's becoming more socially acceptable to be sober than becoming more socially unacceptable to drink alcohol, if that makes sense. So before it was stigmatized that if you were sober or you chose not to drink, there was a reason, you had a drinking problem, um, you had an issue. And now I think that that is changing, that if you choose not to drink, it's for a variety of reasons. Maybe you had a problem, but maybe you're just doing it for your health. So I think that part is definitely changing. Um, well, just drinking alcohol in general becomes socially unacceptable, like smoking tobacco. I think that is going to take longer um, because it is so ingrained in our society and there's still, oh, a lot of myths about alcohol in your health. So I, you know, I, I would, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. Like sometimes I go from really hating alcohol and the, how toxic it is in I go to another side where I'm like, okay, it's just out there and I can accept it and it's more neutral to me. So I think that one is going to take a while. Now to the question about governments and taxing alcohol. Well, we are already taxing alcohol. And I was looking up some stats. I'm in the U.S. and I know a lot of you are in different countries, but I did look up um, taxing across countries and worldwide Alcohol does get taxed quite a bit. Um, in Australia and New Zealand, it gets taxed a lot. In the European nations. And, and then in the United States, it gets taxed at a federal level. And then some states can choose their own taxation amounts. So interestingly enough, uh, I was just going to see what the tax... Oh, so the U.S. collects about $10 billion per year in alcohol taxes. And a lot of this just goes to our general fund. Uh, And then for some states, if they want to, they can earmark those funds towards like alcohol prevention, um, different programs. 
but it really depends on the state. Uh, the interesting uh, the interesting thing about that, though, is that so we collect ten billion a year in alcohol taxes, right? This is just the United States, uh, but the CDC recently found research that showed that excessive drinking costs the United States two hundred and twenty three point five billion. And so, what the costs that they were looking at were the dangerous behavior that impacts a drinker's life and the lives of those around them. So most of those costs resulted from losses in work, workplace productivity. That was like about 72% of the total cost. And here I am recording this the day after the Super Bowl, and I'm wondering how many people have called in today because they were hungover. <laughs> I was guilty of that. I, I did go to work after a Super Bowl once. I was so hungover and I had to leave early. But it was kind of strange because in that case, it was socially accepted that I was hungover after a Super Bowl. Like that, in that case, it's okay. Otherwise, you're, you're kind of hiding what's going on there. So that was interesting. Healthcare expenses for treating problems caused by excessive drinking uh, is one of the other costs to the United States. Law enforcement and other criminal justice expenses and then losses from motor vehicle acts accidents related to excessive alcohol use. So it's it's way out of proportion that we collect $10 billion per year in our alcohol taxes, um, but they're estimating $223 billion in the cost of excessive drinking. So I think they're always trying to get more taxation and um, they, they don't always show that it works. The research kind of mixed about that. Um, whether it's helpful or not. So interesting. I was um, very interested to look up that stat. All right, here is another question. I've been giving, given all these tools and I'm grateful and can keep them in mind as the day goes on, embracing the sober commitment. Then in a nanosecond, seemingly without any forethought, I'm having a drink. Your thoughts on this? Well, this kind of goes back to habits and your brain and how your brain is structured to move towards pleasure and away from pain and how your habit of drinking has just become so ingrained and so automatic that you may find yourself reaching for a drink no matter what. And then you're like, whoa, what happened? Well, you've made this neural pathway very, very fast and effective um, in your brain. So you automatically go to a drink at the end of the day, even though your frontal part of your brain, which remember, I've talked about your brain as a mullet. It's business in the front, party in the back. So that front part is the logical part of your brain. It's the part of your brain that does like planning, um, education, that type of thing. So that's that logical part. And that's the part that knows like, hey, I know drinking isn't good for me. I want to stop. However, you have your primal lower part of your brain. That's the mullet part. And that part just wants to have fun. It wants to keep you from danger. It wants to just party, um, have sex, procreate. Like it's just all reptilian. It just, it thinks that it's keeping your alive, you alive and doing a good thing uh, by moving you towards pleasure and away from pain. But it isn't always so good for you in the long term. So it has learned, your brain has learned over the years that alcohol moves you away from pain 
and it moves you towards pleasure. It does both. So that's partly why you just, it seems like you're not thinking um, because your neural pathways have been so ingrained to just grab a drink. It's such an ingrained habit, which the good news is you can break that. All right. How do you feel about your parenting journey in drinking? Oh, this is a tough one. I've been thinking about this a lot. My kids are now 12 and 15. I stopped drinking. It's been two plus years. So they were really young throughout it all. I think, um, I, I think on the outside, I was doing an all right job parenting. I mean, I was the freaking president of the PTA. I look like I was doing a pretty good job parenting. Um, always had like art activities and I almost think I was overcompensating for being a drinker, um, in the way I was parenting. But at the same time, I, I would definitely check out mentally at the end of the night and that definitely wasn't fair to them. And I know a lot of people who are listening have children who are adult children now, and they're really concerned about the impact that their drinking had on their children when they were growing up and now they're adults. And as adult children, they are really examining what role that played in their lives. And so I think it's just important to own your responsibility and your role in your parenting that you made those choices and they weren't the best choices. Um, I think you can definitely apologize you can seek help with a family therapist. Um, but I think you also need to allow your children to be able to express how they feel about it and have their own opinions and perspective and just allow for that and allow for healing, which may take some time. Um, I also think just the fact that you're changing your drinking now is so powerful. And, you know, they talk a lot about how our actions speak louder than our words. So just showing them that you are making a change or you have changed is is so impactful. And I think it's important for our parents or our kids to know that we aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. And I think showing that you are able to have problems and deal with them or do something about them is is really something to be commended and and they will see that. Okay. Does the body recover after years of alcohol misuse? Does it generate how much damage is done? So again a couple drink or a couple questions in one. Um it really depends on how long, of course, you've been drinking, if you've done other drugs, smoking, just obviously lots of other circumstances involved with that one. Um, But yes, your body has the ability to recover after drinking. You can get to a tipping point like with your liver um, function where you can get to where you have drink too much, you have done permanent damage to your liver, but the majority of people don't get there. And they can undo the damage that's been done to their body, which is fantastic. So, you know, don't think that you are a lost cause or your body is. It can heal and it was designed to heal. And so I think that's a a great thing. All right. If you slip and have a couple of drinks after an extended break, what's the effect on your brain and body and your new neural pathways? Okay, so you're 
you've had a break from alcohol, so your body's had a chance to do some recovery and resetting. Um, and then if you slip and have a couple drinks, what's the effect on your new neural pathways? Well, w- when we have neural pathways, we always keep those pathways. We can make new ones, um, but we can easily go back to old ones. And I think that's how you see so many people who have taken a break from drinking and then they they start again. They kind of forget um, there's something called a fading effect bias. And that just means that your body, your brain is decide or is designed to remember the good things. It's designed to remember pleasure and forget pain, um, because otherwise we wouldn't go through childbirth again. We wouldn't go out hunting again if you want to get really primal about it. Um, so your body's designed to kind of forget about the bad things so that it can go on and. Um, survive. So your body forgets about that past boyfriend. It forgets about the negative effects of alcohol. Um, And so that's why you kind of tend to romanticize it, you may have found. So you start drinking again, and then you find like, whoa, I'm like back on the path. I'm drinking as much as I ever did, if not more. And that's because you still have that old neural pathway, that uh, neural pathways like an Audubon. It's like it takes you from away from pain and towards pleasure so fast. Your body's gotten so accustomed to it and it's become such a habit that that's a really strong neural pathway. Now, the new neural pathway that you're making when you quit drinking, when you take a break, it's not as built out. It may be still a dirt road. (laughs) It might not be a full four lane highway or what have you. So it's still there. They're both there. Um, it's just you need to get back on your new new little gravel road and, and get that puppy paved and get it fast. Um, so that's kind of what's going on. I think if you have a limited um, episode of drinking in between your breaks, you're, you're not completely going back to how your body was before. I mean, you'll still go through the detox process, um, but the long-term effects of drinking are really cumulative. So it does take time to undo them, and you're not necessarily going to do tremendous damage after one or two drinks as long as you get back on your new neural pathway, if that makes sense. Okay, and then along those lines... Um, Someone asked, I've heard alcohol kills brain cells that can't be recovered. Debbie, is that true? That's actually a myth that alcohol kills brain cells. Uh, I think originally they thought that because alcohol itself, ethanol is a cleaning product. It's an astringent and it kills bacteria. It kills other organisms. Um, But it doesn't necessarily kill brain cells, which is great. Great news, right? (laughs) We have learned so much about our brain. We've learned more about our brain in the last 25 years than all the years prior to that. And part of that is because of all the advances in science and scanning um, and research. And so previously, we thought our brains were like cement and you were just kind of stuck. You, you kind of started out with a set number of brain cells and that was it. And so now we know our brains are more like Play-Doh and they can be changed. Um, And you can have something called neurogenesis, which Genesis is not just a Phil Collins band, (laughs) but it means making new. So you can make new neural um, 
pathways, new neural connections, that kind of thing, which is really fantastic. All right. How do I know that I need to quit drinking? Are the online assessments accurate? Um, I This is such an important topic that I'm going to uh, do a whole episode about it next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but the short answer is if drinking's causing problems in your life, then removing it may make your life better, right? Um, <clears throat> and then as far as the online assessments being accurate, I, it depends on what you're looking at. There's so many different assessments you can do. The medical community has their own set of assessments. And I think part of it is just because we like to measure things. And having issues with drinking is sometimes hard to measure. I mean, yeah, you can measure how many how much you're drinking, but everyone deals with it differently. And a lot of people to the outside world, it seems like they have no problems. Maybe they're not that hungover. Maybe their uh, relationships aren't that impacted. However, maybe you have some health problems related to your drinking and you didn't know about it till you went and got your wellness exams. Or maybe, maybe your relationship could just be better. I think a lot of people think you have to hit rock bottom to change your drinking. And I really just want to encourage you, like, could your life be better if you removed alcohol? And you don't know until you do it. And that's why I encourage, like, 30-day breaks. Um, just so you can see, like, what's it like to go to a party without alcohol? How is my relationship with my kids? How am I doing at work without drinking? Those kinds of things. So... It doesn't mean that you have to have a bad life or a horrible problem with alcohol to quit drinking. So that's one of the things I want to address. But I will get more into one of the tools, uh, online assessments in our next podcast episode, uh, just to go over drinking and, and what kind of questions are asked if, to f figure out if you have a problem with drinking. All right, one of our last questions is, do you have to surrender yourself and believe that you are an alcoholic to quit drinking? So I think this kind of goes to a couple different things. So I, I don't do AA. I haven't done AA. I know it's really helpful for a lot of people. Um, and I think one of the first steps is admitting you are an alcoholic or you have a problem. And so my take on that is is based on responsibility. So once you know, like, okay, my life could be better without alcohol. Um, alcohol is causing some problems in my life. I'm, I'm having some health issues. I'm, I'm not parenting the way I want to be. My relationships aren't the way I want to be. My work product productivity isn't doing so great. So I think what it really comes down to is taking responsibility. Uh, so recognizing that you ultimately it is up to you right this might be a problem might be your problem but you are also the solution so there is a great quote that laura mccown has in her book we are the luckiest the surprising magic of a sober life and she says it really well she says she has these nine tenets if you will i guess and Number one is, it is not your fault. I think what she means by that is sometimes genetics plays a role. Sometimes family history plays a role. So that's 
that part isn't your fault, right? There are some things that are out of your control. Okay, so then number two is it is your responsibility, right? So with responsibility comes great power, right? There, there's the uh, Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, we like to switch it around. Mark Maron does it in his book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, but what, what he does is switch that quote around with great responsibility comes great power. So when you take responsibility for the choices you are making in your life, you become empowered. It becomes you. You are the one that can change. You may be the one that has the problem, but that means you're the one that has the solution. All right, back to Laura's list. So it was, number one was, it is not your fault. Number two is, it is your responsibility. Number three, it is unfair that this is your thing. Number four, this is your thing. Number five, this will never stop being your thing until you face it. Number six, you cannot do it alone. Number seven, only you can do it. Number eight, I love you. Number nine, I will never stop reminding you of these things. Super powerful. I read that um, in January of 2020, which was also my last drink was January 1st, 2020. And to me, it was just like what I needed to hear because for a long time, I was, I don't want to say I had a problem. You know, I think a lot of the, the world of, AA recovery is like, it's your problem. You can't drink like a normal person. Um, and society kind of gives that message. And so for a long time, I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. And then I did the whole paradigm shift to where I really blamed alcohol and the alcohol in industry um, because there are aspects of it that are, are definitely toxic. And, and then it was when I could finally take responsibility for it, like, Okay, yeah, that yes, alcohol is a poison. Yes, it causes all kinds of issues. Um, however, it's still my choice and it's still my responsibility and I'm the only one that can get me out of this. And so I, I just found that so powerful and I hope you do too. Uh, like I said, in the next episode, we're going to talk a bit more about how do you know if you have a problem and some of the questions that are used in an alcohol use disorder uh, questionnaire, if you will. And also want to talk a little bit about myths related to having an alcohol problem. And then I have a new 30-day, uh, I call it a solo alcohol a day, because I do have a 30-day group, which I love. Um, but I know some people like to just go it alone. Uh, so I will put a link to the 30-day solo alcohol holiday. And what that is, is just a daily email you get every day for 30 days um, just to help you take a 30-day break from dr drinking. See, like, if, if I do remove it from my life, do I feel better? Uh, so I will link to that in the show notes. And then feel free to contact me if you have any questions for any upcoming episodes. Like I said, you can email me at deb at alcoholtippingpoint.com or visit my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. I hope you found this useful and I hope you have a wonderful day and practice not drinking. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time. Thank you.